FBI Radio. All right, I've got Amy Farrell in the studio with me, and this week we're talking about the banks, a topic which has been in the media a lot this year with the Royal Commission into the financial sector. But what do banks have to do with the sustainability of our city, Amy? Please enlighten me. Well, Eddie, there's that old adage that money makes the world go round. And in our city, it's banks that control how that works. So it can often be pretty hard to see the links between the ASX and the bricks and mortar of the city. It's more obvious when the system breaks down like it did in 2008 during the GFC that we all heard about. And that's when you get cities like Athens with their shops closing and the young people on the streets instead of at university, simply because of some numbers. And why is that? Well, money is essentially a system of trust. I expend my labour and for it I receive a certain amount of money that I trust will be good at a later date to buy a certain amount of things. Banking in this way is one of the oldest professions in the world and it dates back to ancient Mesopotamia. This ability to store the benefits of an activity also enables you to lend or borrow wealth. So it facilitates trust not simply between two people but with our future selves. We can invest the fruits of now in what we hope will bring greater fruits in the future. I like investing in my future self, so this all sounds good and well, Amy. <laughs> it does, What's doesn't the it? Crux? <laughs> well, there's a key difference between these early forms of banking and what we have now. Banking in the ancient cities of both the East and the Western world was limited by the religious belief that to charge interest was the sin of usury. In the West, the modern form of capitalist banking was enabled by the reformation of the Catholic Church that got rid of that idea. But this ability to charge interest enables banks to not only facilitate the flow of money across the city, but to control how hard or easy it is to access it. What it costs to access money, so the interest rate, determines how much business owners have to charge for their goods and services, how much we get paid at work, whether or not it's easy or hard to borrow money. So in short, pretty much everything. And um, how does this all play out in today in modern Australia? Well, in Australia, we have the big four banks. So these dictate the terms for the smaller banks eager to stay competitive. And then they, in turn, take their cue from the government-owned reserve bank. And low interest rates like ours, which have been at a historic low for almost two years, mean it's really good for borrowers. So individuals and companies are borrowing heaps of money to expand and build things. And you can definitely see this right now in Sydney with all the cranes. I play the crane game a lot. It's a good and heartily depressing <laughs> game. Um, so what does the bank, so what the banks are willing to lend, it determine what gets built by things like those cranes. Are there any parameters around who they will lend to? Absolutely. Not all borrowers are treated equally because banks want to make sure they get their money back, right? So they're often keen to lend to people who already have money. ABC reported earlier this year that 30% of mortgage loans are to people who have a household income of over $200,000. Hard to believe that they need that money, but... So they're not so keen on anyone who doesn't have a steady job or who doesn't have a credit history. So people who struggle for whatever reason to be a part of the rat race, because you're a single mum or you face discrimination or you simply aren't a fan of the system, they're less likely to be able to shape the city in their image, regardless of how good a person you are or how good an idea you have. This is made even worse by the fact that heaps of young people will only ever get a loan from the banks if they have a guarantor, someone who's in a better financial position than they are. If there's no one in your family in a position to do this, then you're essentially screwed. And in this way, we see people from privileged families continue to have a bigger hand in shaping the future of the city than those who don't.
Yeah, I'm, I had a little giggle. I was having a conversation with this about someone recently, and they're like, yeah, it's fine. You can own a house. And then went through the whole process and then just said, but of course I'd like put mum and dad's house <laughs> Of course. And that's, of course, if you can't go straight to mum and dad for the money like yeah. Malcolm Turnbull would like us to do. Yeah. So all of this, they control who gets it. Do they control what they do with it? Totally. So banks, like I said, are for-profit businesses. So their agenda, baseline to make money. And for the same reason that they want to lend to people who are a safe bet, they want them to invest in things that are a safe bet. And in Australia, that means mortgages. Because despite all the talk of a housing bubble, property prices are continuing to go up and the Australian dream of owning your own home is staying strong. 60% of the bank's money is in housing and most of the rest is loaned to the government or to big corporations, which at the moment only have eyes for building. Actually, the portion of funding for West Connects that isn't coming from our taxpayer dollars is coming largely from the major banks, from Commonwealth, NAP, Westpac and even ING. So our savings are in effect building these roads. Banks lend money to projects they're gonna make, that are going to make money. Off us. Okay, Amy, look, I want to know what happens if you're seen as a risk, but I'm going to play a song and then we're going to come back for some more Down to Earth You're on FBI 94.5. We're in the middle of Down to Earth. We're talking about how the banking sector and uh, the Royal Commission, all that jazz, how it affects the sustainability uh, and access to our cities. We've been going all woe, but I want to ask Amy Farrell, who's in the studio with me, uh, what is something we can do about making sure the money we lend is actually building the city that we want? And what can we do about making it more equitable to borrow because just before that song we're chatting about our money going into building West Connects. Totally. So there are lots of things that we can do and there are lots of people who are already doing it, Eddie. So some things that people are doing is divesting their money from big bad banks and moving it to ethical banks and this is something... Can I just shout out to yeah. Teachers Mutual Bank? That's my oh, bank. Yeah. <laughs> Rock on. Right in the high road over there. Yeah. <laughs> she looks real smug right now, guys. Ooh. So this was actually really successfully done by the Stop Adani movement over the last couple of years and they did heaps of like sit-ins in banks and they did lots of subvertising around the city to try and encourage people to divest their money and they were actually really effective in getting all the major banks to, to make a commitment to not funding the mine, even though the government still is, but that's a different topic. Um, the other, thing, the other thing that banks can do that some offer is um, a thing called green bonds, which means they're like low-return Long, uh, long-term investment bonds that are used specifically for like green building and mitigating or adapting to climate change. Um, but there's other things you can do as well that basically don't involve don't involve banks at all. Um, you can socialise your money in other ways, so through things like uh, like crowdfunding. So platforms like as Pos- like Possible and Kickstarter, they decide what gets built based on the masses who actually use it. And then instead of receiving dividends for investment, you have access to the thing you've actually helped to create. So money is exchanged not for money, but for socially useful things. An example of that is like the Rising Sun workshop in the back streets of Newtown. And that was brought to life by 158 supporters that actually wanted it to exist. What, what is this, um, the Rising Sun in the Backstreet project that you're talking about? Ah, so the Rising Sun workshop is basically like a bike workshop that you can, where you can go in and you can... Um, uh, work on bikes together. One of the so one of the coolest ideas that I've come across for banking in an alternative way is called time banking. 
um, and time banking platforms exist across the city and they allow members to volunteer one hour of their time, their skills in exchange for a token equivalent to one hour of someone else's time. And there's a website where you can check this stuff out called timebanking.com.au um, and there's a New South Wales system called Let's. And this alternative is so great because it addresses a fundamental inequity in the current system, that some people's time is worth more than others. It means we all run around thinking, if I just work a little bit harder, one day my time will be worth more, and then I can relax. There's this necessary inequality in moments between humans, and between humans and our future selves. It what's, it's what keeps us and the whole economy push, pushing forward. It's also what keeps us in a perpetual state of anxiety. But time banking flips the idea of scarcity on its head and says that everyone in every moment can be valuable. Now, I, like, I know that none of these alternatives are trying to be an entire replacement for our social synthesization mechanism. And it seems pretty obvious that they're not gonna help you buy a house. But, and that's obviously what we're all trying to do. <laughs> um, but if we all redirect our wealth into these forms of socialization, then the emphasis on property is an asset to grow wealth will be like greatly diminished. And that'll enable property to, again, become about giving people a home, which is obviously another critical issue that our city is facing right now. And in the meantime, through engaging in some of these alternative practices, you might meet like-minded folks with whom that you can um, engage in one of the alternative practices around housing that's already been discussed on this show. But the basic point I want to make, it Yes, is we like to end on good notes here <laughs> on Down to Earth. It's a really positives. simple one. And sometimes this stuff can be really confusing. But the basic note is that banks are simply a vehicle to store wealth for a later date and a way to borrow what you need from society so that you can grow the overall pot. And once you realise that, (laughs) (laughs) there's actually a whole host of options that don't involve giving your money to one of the big four banks. So I would definitely encourage all these listeners to go out there and explore some options and see what they can do with their cash. That aren't stashing cash under the bed? Well, you know. (laughs) If that's what you want to do, then. (laughs) But do something with your money that will actually help build the kind of city that we want, not the kind of city that we don't want. Excellent. I'm going to put up some of those programs and workshops and investment things that you're talking about up on the programs page for everybody to check out. So if you're interested, jump on to fbiradio.com forward slash mornings and we'll have all that information for you there. Thank you so much for coming in, Amy. No worries. Thanks for having me, Eddie. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.